Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5. In Toronto, 95.7. In Ottawa, it is a pleasure to welcome to the show Mary McGrath. She's a member of Blair Engaged as a member of the Cambridge community. And we're here to talk to her about an ongoing situation, I guess, that started early in the beginning of 2021 with the potential development of a mega warehouse. And uh, that would be on Old Mill Road and Dickey Settlement Road in Blair, which is part of Cambridge. And uh, so it's a pleasure to have uh, Mary here. So Mary, welcome to the show and appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much, David. I'm so happy to be able to be here and chat with you. You know, the situation is a little confusing when I, when I read through some of the information, some of the information I'm seeing from council, because at one point they're requesting this minister's zoning order. Uh, but on the other hand, they are also being told by Minister Clark, Minister, Minister Steve Clark, to make sure they do due diligence. Mm-hmm. What is happening with that? Because I understand they had until November 30th to comply with that, mm-hmm. um, because the order could be rescinded, I understand, from the minister. Yeah, so what happened was the the developer in this situation, um, which is Broccolini, Broccolini Real Estate Group, mm. um, asked City Council in Cambridge for their support for this um, minister's zoning order, which is a tool that the um, that can be used to bypass local planning regulations and local planning process. Mm-hmm. Now there have been these minister zoning orders or MZOs, there have been, I think more than 40 issued, um, if I'm not mistaken, in the last two years, which is double what has been used in the last 50 years or so. Um, and so they're a tool that's being used increasingly across the province of Ontario by developers and municipalities to get around local planning process. Now, in some cases, that's beneficial if there's, a, you know, um, an emergency situation mm. um, and, and something needs to be done immediately. Um, if there's a, um, a, a community that doesn't have local planning regulations established, then a minister's zoning order can be a useful tool. Mm. However, the way that they're being used right now is actually very, very concerning. There are multiple communities across the province that have raised objection, objections to these. So we were very surprised as a community community to learn in early April 2021 that Broccolini had approached our city council for support for a minister's zoning order for a 1 million square foot warehouse with an additional 1 million square feet of paved surface area Mm. in a heritage um, area um, abutting a provincially significant wetland. And the community had had zero notice. Nobody had told us we did not, we were not aware of the proposal. We were not aware of the request for the minister's zoning order. We became aware of it after that city council meeting where the developer approached the city council and the city council approved it unanimously at one point after going into like a closed uh, camera session. So that's where we first became very concerned. Um, The story goes on, as you said, because um, after we began to raise objections about it, um, you know, there was some back and forth between um, 
our mayor, Catherine McGeary, and Minister Clark, um, as you've mentioned, and that's where the story gets very confusing. When you learned about this, uh, because of that uh, that council meeting with uh, Broccolini coming forward, was there some process that should have taken place prior to that letter even going forward to council, like say from Broccolini to to the community to to say that they were going to do something like this? Was there something needed in there that that they bypassed? So, I mean, that's that's a really good question. Now, um, in my opinion, and I think um, for most for most people, um, and Blair and Gage has just, um, you know, we've recently um, done some polling around this, but we believe that um, communities should be consulted, especially uh, with such a significant project. And we also believe that, you know, we we live in the Haldeman tract mm-hmm. um, and the the village we live in, Blair, is actually located right in the very center of the Haldeman tract. So we also, um, as a community, believe that First Nations people um, should be consulted in, with such a significant project. And so we believed that. Um, however, when we start to uh, when we started to look into, you know, what are the actual requirements, that's where it started to get a little fuzzy. Now, after we had, um, you know, talked to different people, we we actually hired a legal team at Donnelly Law and, and a planner, Susan Robertson, who's a planner, and to get some more advice. And um, what we learned um, through them was, yes, you know, consultation should take place with such a, a large project. Um and, and Cambridge City Council pushed, pushed back. They said, no, a minister's zoning order does not uh, require us to consult. However, Minister Steve Clark, the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, did write a letter to Catherine McGarry and City Council and say, actually, you know what? You have to um, get community support. And, and especially you have to um, consult with First Nations um, before you submit a request for a minister's zoning order. So he sent a letter to Catherine McGarry to that effect and said, um, you know, you have to do this. You ha- you you need to have meaningful cons- consultation um, with with the community and with First Nations um, people before you you submit the request for the MZO. Um, Unfortunately, Catherine McGarry wrote a letter back to Minister Clark and said, you know what, we've done We've done, we've fulfilled our requirements, basically, which uh, in the opinion of Blair Engage, the community group that I belong to, um, was, is not true. She did not consult us at all. We, nobody, nobody consulted us. No, you know, the city council did not consult us. Um, Mayor McGarry did not consult us. And um, the elected and traditional chiefs both wrote letters stating that they were displeased that the city and the proponent, proponent Broccolini, failed in their responsibility to ensure that they meaningfully engaged in uh, the constitutionally protected right for consultation um, with them for free, prior, and informed consent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, 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 in our opinion, there has been no consultation, um, despite the fact that Mayor McGarry is, is saying that there has been to Minister Clark. Um, Minister Clark, as you said, then requested that um, Mayor McGarry prove she did consultation uh, before November 30th, or he would rescind mm-hmm. the MZO request. Um, and um, 
And most recently, uh, the developer, the developer themselves sent Minister Clark uh, what they're calling a consultation plan, um, an indigenous consultation plan. Um, and and sort of that's where it sits right now. We Minister Clark, you know, he's it's sort of in his the ball is in his court to accept whether or not um, Mayor McGarry actually has done any kind of consultation plan. And um, in you know, in the opinion of the community of Blair Engaged, we believe that um, the consultation plan that's been created by the, the developer sets up a dangerous precedent for everyone in Ontario, both the settler population and indigenous people, and that we all should be concerned about it because it advocates for like possible consultation, but after decisions have already been made, you know, the decision has been made, the MZO has been issued, and now they're saying they're going to consult. That makes no sense. The Broccolini uh, plan to con- uh, for consultation. It, it was just that. It's a plan to, not a plan that has already been initiated or has happened. Right. And and basically what it's doing is it's um, this, the plan is um, saying, you know, the developers describing how they're, um, how they're going to do this. It's not, uh, it's not a process that has in- engaged uh, the residents or um, First Nations communities. Uh, it's, they're basically saying, here's, here's what we're going to do. And, um, you know, that's our plan. Mm. And so there's been, it's not something that has been done in any kind of a collaborative manner. Um, and, um you know, there hasn't been any meaningful communication. And so it's, you know, again, I feel that, uh, you know, the reconciliation is, is important here. And, you know, a lot of people talk about reconciliation and, um, and this is an opportunity for that, for, you know, for people to practice what they preach. Um, but also, you know, we're all treaty people and, you know, the community believes we should be consulted, but we also, um, you know, believe that being in the Haldeman tract and, and being concerned about, you know, our leadership here, um, you know, speaking about, um, reconciliation and, and, uh, and connection to land and place, but then not actually, um, following through with transparency and engagement. It just, it erodes public trust and, um, and it's, you know, and, and again, I, th- I think it for, it's just, it sets a dangerous precedent that, that uh, developer prescribed consultation, if that's what they want to call it, can take place after decisions have been made. In this case, they've already submitted a site plan application for the project. Um, and, you know, they've bulldozed all the trees, they've removed um, tons and tons and tons of soil. Um, and, and they're just, they're proceeding as if, um, you know, as if no one's going to stop them. So hang on a sec, hang on a sec. So, so you're saying that work has already begun? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I thought this was still in the process of being, uh, determined whether it was beginning, going to go forward. The other thing I want to ask you about is with this, uh, the Broccolini plan, uh, for consultation that you said they submitted, what is, how does that tie in with the council being asked to 
to submit a plan or or something that they have done this consultation. Are they saying then, or Broccolini was, is trying to say then that uh, that they have done the work on behalf of council? Or, or well, is there, that... That's a very, very good point, David. And um, again, I think what you're highlighting is some of the dangerous territory um, that we're in because um, Minister, I mean, sorry, uh, Mayor McGarry's letter um, talked that to Minister Clark confirming, you know, what they, what, the city is calling a consultation with residents and First Nations, her letter just um, basically looks retroactively at what they've done. So she refers to studies that were done and completed 10 years ago for the site mm-hmm. um, because the community was involved in, in a study that had been done 10 years ago um, around a particular zoning um, that was being made at that site at that time. And she refers to a couple of conversations that she's had um, with um, different people um, in the past, so over the summertime. Um, and although in those conversations, um, you know, I don't, I don't think um, people in those conversations felt like that was, it wasn't part of a consultation process. Mm. Um, and, and then she refers to, you know, the fact that at city council meetings, um, citizens have an opportunity for a five-minute delegation where they can, you know, they can speak for five minutes, but they're not allowed to ask questions, um, which is not, in my opinion, consultation. Yes. And so, um, and our lawyer agrees with us. So, so that's what she said. Now, the the developer has their consultation plan is something um, completely different, and and it is worrisome that the developer is is coming up with this when, um, you know, it should be um, on the city and the province to do to do that consultation, not the developer. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Mary McGrath. She's a member of Blair Engaged. And we're talking to her about a development site that is looking to uh, go forward with creating a 1 million uh, square foot warehouse on Old Mill Road and Dickey Settlement Road in Blair, which is part of Cambridge. This has gone back and forth because a council of Cambridge requested from the Minister uh, of Municipal Affairs and Housing, Steve Clark, for an MZO, a minister's zoning order, and it it bypasses many of the things that need to go into place. I do remember reading that this was previously zoned. It was a previously area zoned for light industrial. So could this be interpreted by either the council and or the company, Broccolini uh, Real Estate, to say that this is still light industrial somehow? No, because they had to request an additional, as part of their MZO application, they had to request a zoning change in order for it, for their proposed warehouse. So mm. this is a proposed warehouse and distribution center that mm. reportedly is for Amazon. Mm. Um, so they they had to request a, an additional zoning change in order for this warehouse to be acceptable in uh, this location. So it was not originally zoned for this purpose. And the previous zoning would not have allowed for this purpose without that change that they were requesting in the MZO. Um, and, you know, there there was, you know, as you mentioned, there was a, a, an, um, an existing zoning um, for the site. And there had been, uh, as I mentioned, studies done and, and a lot of work over a couple of years with the community um, in order to make sure that the whatever 
development would happen there would um would you know be respectful of the environment and the land and um you know and heritage and everything else and so um that was before i lived here but um i my understanding is that there was a lot of work um put into that by the community and so um there i don't think there could be any way that um you know that there could be a misinterpretation by the developer of the city about you know this this is the same type of project on the same mm. under the same type of zoning allowance um so mm-hmm. so you've been uh reaching out i guess and trying to get some answers and and uh, talking to the cambridge city council uh, have you been at all trying to reach out to the minister's office um mm-hmm. and and what what action is taking place there yeah for sure yes we have definitely reached out to the minister's office many many times um you know community members as individuals have and blair engaged has as well and we have also sent letters through um, our lawyer, David Donnelly at Donnelly Law, and we've expressed to Minister Clark how um, how serious we are, how concerned we are that this um, this proposed consultation plan sets such a dangerous precedent for everyone in Ontario, mm-hmm. um, and that we all should be concerned about this um, because of the fact that it advocates for um, this you know, developer directed consultation, if that's what you want to call it after decisions have already been made Mm. and that, you know, and we've expressed to him that real consultation should occur before decisions have been made, not after an MZO has been issued, issued already. Mm. And that if, if he accepts mayor McGeary's statements that this will absolutely erode public trust in his office, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that th- our concern, you know, as well, that um, that for reconciliation, you know, for them to, if they're going to talk about reconciliation, um, that um, this, you know, this hasn't happened and, um, you know, there hasn't been proper consultation and we've had opportunity, you know, to talk to the different First Nations communities um, that are implicated um, and and they've confirmed that with us and so um so it's you know we've been trying to to communicate with minister clark's office um and and you know we appreciate that he set a deadline Mm -hmm. uh, for uh the city of cambridge to, to show him evidence that consultation has happened um we're just at this point um you know we just want to make sure that he, Minister Clark, understands that the only way to restore public trust is to rescind the MZO and to direct the City of Cambridge to restart the process and conduct meaningful consultation with First Nations and with residents, as he said. Hmm. Did you get a response from his office? Um, we have not gotten a response directly, no. No, and also understand, and perhaps you've been in, in, in contact with Cambridge MPP Belinda Carajalios, because she, mm-hmm. of course, addressed this as well. Yes, she, um, she actually asked a question of Minister Clark in the legislature mm-hmm. um, about the MZO and the need for consultation. And um, actually, I believe it was her question that prompted Ms. Minister Clark to to stand up in the legislature and say, you know, I'm serious that, you know, an MZO, I will only issue MZOs 
if there's a request by the community and support by the community, and if if there has been proper consultation, um, and and if um, if Mayor McGarry does not prove that there's been proper consultation, I will revoke this Enzo. He said. He actually, um, he said, we've been crystal clear. Right. If the community does not do indigenous consultation, right. I will revoke the MZO. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I also understand that there are other communities where uh, similar things have gone forward. I think uh, Stratford had one where the, mm-hmm. that was, so the MZO was revoked. Yes, it's happened both in Pickering and Stratford where um, MZOs were issued for projects that were definitely major concerns for the communities there. And in those cases, like the one you mentioned, Stratford, um, the the city council initially approved the MZO, um, the request for the MZO, and I believe the province also um, granted that MZO. But then, um, in the city council, actually ended up, you know, listening to their uh, to residents and. Um, who were very concerned about it and they actually ended up uh, rescinding their support for the MZO. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's very possible for, you know, f- for this process to happen. It's happened. Um, it's happened before and um, we believe it should happen again. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm guessing a big driving force behind this is economic development uh, if, to help in the area. I understand it's going to bring uh, quite a number of jobs to the area, both for the construction purposes as well as uh, with within uh, the employment once it is built and it has uh, it, it has transportation uh, vehicles arriving uh, throughout the day. But there's... Oh, both sides to that as well, right? Because it's going to increase yeah. traffic. But would you say economics that, that is driving this about uh, finding and, and trying to get uh, uh, new jobs for the area? Well, you know, you can, it depends on who you're talking to, I think. And I think this the people within city council would say that initially that's why they were attracted to the proposal was because of potential tax revenue. Mm. Um, I don't think they were thinking very long-term about what um, the project means long-term. And, um, you know, we could get into a debate about whether or not um, a couple hundred, um, you know, jobs um, in a, in a warehouse distribution center, reportedly Amazon, um, you know, what kind of quality employment opportunities those are. But um, I think <clears throat> I think that the tax revenue and in, in the short-term gains are what um, initially attracted the city council to this project. Having said that, I, you know, for me personally, and I think for all of the people involved with Bill are engaged, I think we need to be thinking about when we make decisions, um, there economic short-term economic gain can often lead to a lot of long-term pain. We need to be thinking about future generations and the mm-hmm. legacy mm-hmm. that we want to leave for our children and grandchildren. And we need to be thinking about, um, you know, the, the environmental impact of a project. Um, and that can come from transportation that can come from the water use that can come from the energy use. And, you know, what are our climate targets locally? How can we achieve those climate targets if we're allowing a 1 million square foot distribution center with, you know, one to 200 transport trucks a day and a 1 million square foot paved parking lot in the runoff in the water from that, Mm -hmm. um, so there's there's you know so many potential environmental impacts, um, and you know 
the 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 idea of sacrificing um, all of that that legacy for the future just for some quick tax bucks, um, you know, and and to do it in such an undemocratic way by using an MZO and not allowing anyone to have any say in the community or any other stakeholder. First Nations, community members, people who have interests in, in heritage of the community um, outside of you know, specifically this village. It, it, to use an, a, an MZO in such a major project, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And, um, and, and plus, you know, it's not right. So in terms of going forward now, you said about evidence, you know, and that's what the minister needs to see. Would you say and do you know if, if council is in is now in the process of trying to produce that evidence or if they think they have have done so at this point? Well, so the only so Mayor McGarry has sent a letter to Minister Clark um, stating that they have completed consultation. Mm -hmm. So she says that people can download the site plan and reports from the website. So as I mentioned, Broccolini has already submitted their site plan, um, although they are already doing work on the site. She says you can download the site plan, you can download the reports, and um, at some future city council meeting, you can have an opportunity to delegate. Um, and, And that's that's you know we that's our plan for consultation and she has said that um the the city uh, has notified six nations and um and the mississaugas of the credit and that um they can access the traffic study and heritage you know reports from the site um and um you know, and, and that's her plan. So mm. that's her evidence that she has submitted in a letter to Minister Clark. Um, and then in addition to that, um, Broccolini has submitted this two-page um, quote-unquote consultation plan. So I feel that, that you know, they feel like they've, they've done their... The, this is their evidence to, to Minister Clark, but Blair Engage um, believes that that is not sufficient evidence of um, meaningful, proper consultation. And we believe that for Minister Clark to accept that would absolutely erode public trust in his office and also set a very dangerous precedent Mm -hmm. for everyone in Ontario about what consultation actually means. And that is the voice of Mary McGrath. She's a member of Blair Engaged, which is a citizens group who opposed the minister's zoning order in the Blair village of Cambridge for a mega warehouse, a one million square foot warehouse, as well as another one million square foot parking area uh, on the old Mill Road area of Cambridge. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. We'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.